Welcome to the show. Before we start, let me give you a quick introduction to this episode and to my guest on the show today. My guest is Jessica McGregor Johnson. And one of the reasons why I wanted Jessica to come on the show is not just because I've known her for, I think, at least 10 years, probably more than that now, where we first did some neurolinguistic programming trainings together and a few other events as well. And we got to know each other. We have stayed connected since then. We both live in Spain, albeit on different sides of the country. Jessica made the move out here uh, some years before I did. However, it's been very nice to stay connected with her and I was delighted when she agreed to come on the show because having read one of her books, she is an author of several books, I know that she is very insightful. I think she's a very deep lady who uh, thinks about things very well and I would describe Jessica as this kind of spirituality that is very relatable and uh, not the, the woo-woo stuff that we often hear people talking about, but practical stuff that you can apply into your life and make your life better with. One of the things we talked a lot about wasn't just her retreats, which are incredible and which she's been doing virtually for the last year or so for obvious reasons, but also the power of intentions. And I think this is really one of the things that I have most taken away from this episode into my own life. And that is the whole point of shows like this, to find the things that you can take away and use and apply in your own life. I hope you will find the same thing with intentions. I have been much more consciously setting intentions for myself since the recording and editing of this show. And I hope you will find some similar takeaways for yourself. Please let us know if you do. But for now, enjoy the show with my guest, Jessica McGregor-Johnson. And for obvious reasons, I called it Good Intentions. Welcome to Points of Change with Johnny Ball, the show where week by week, I will be chatting with coaches, trainers, mentors, experts, visionaries, change makers, people with amazing transformational stories and experiences, and people who are helping others to create transformation in their lives. Stay tuned and make sure you subscribe. Don't miss an episode. Welcome to Points of Change, Jessica McGregor Johnson. Thank you very much, Johnny. Lovely to be with you. It's really great to have you here. Now, we, we've known each other for some time. I'm very fortunate to be able to say that because we had a lot of fun some years ago doing some training programs together and we learned a lot together. Not only, not only did we learn a lot, but we had a great time doing it. We did. It was. It seems ages ago now, but I don't think it was that long, but maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it was a really dynamic time of my life coming to do all those trainings and things and meeting people like yourself. So, yeah, it gave me a great foundation for what I do now. Yeah, likewise. Similarly for myself, I learned so much from that and, and got inspiration from so many people in that environment to want to do things that were very different to my life at the time as a, a lowly flight attendant who dreamed of bigger things. Now I'm now I'm doing them. I, I know from you are not just very knowledgeable, but you've written books and you even do retreats and so many different things that make a difference. And I wanted to get the opportunity to talk to you about the kinds of things that in transformational experiences that you help people with and have done over quite some time now yeah i have i've been doing this what for nearly 18 years now and i've written a couple of books got a new one coming out pretty soon i've really focused on big life change it's kind of my life story i've had a huge job in my life and I always say I wish I had somebody like me to have helped me along the way and I perhaps wouldn't have made quite mistakes. But the mistakes is what you learn from and that's the wisdom that you can then pass on. And so the retreats particularly are about just really kind of coming back and finding out who you are and what you really want out of it. Because I think sometimes the decisions we make when we're younger 
have other things that make us make those decisions. We're following other people's wishes and desires. And uh, we don't learn very early on in our lives to listen to our heart. And our heart's mm. got a lot to say. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Maybe a little back, bit of background noise here whilst there in some of your books. Because, you know, I, I remember being very excited when you gave me one of your some time. And uh, being super impressed as well. I think anyone who actually manages to write a book is, is incredible. You know, lots of people say they want to or they're going to me being one of them, and actually finish it or even start it in some cases. And uh, so the fact that you've even done that is impressive. But what took you on that path in the first place? Thank, well, thanks for that, Johnny. Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. Both my books had very different backgrounds. The original book, which is I think the one that I gave you, is a book called Remembering Perfection. And yeah. that book originally actually started life as my journal. Interestingly, I had been living in an ashram for four years and I, I'd left and I'd come to Spain and I was trying to work out how do you live all these things that I'd learned over the years that I'd lived there. And I'd started to write a journal just to try and sort my mind out of principles that I wanted to, you know, really imbibe in my life and, and live my life through. After about 80 pages, this kind of little bird in my head went, hmm, you might be writing a book. At which case I went, oh! Oh my goodness, no, I couldn't possibly write a book, <laughs> you know, and stopped <laughs> until, interestingly, I was coaching by then and I had a woman come along, she was a writing coach and so we actually did a barter and I said, I've got this 80 pages that I think might be a book but I'm really not sure and she said, well, okay, let's take a look at it and that's how that turned into the book. She helped me put structure and she helped me write and she, you know, pulled the clarity out of me kind of thing. And so that's how that first book came about. And, and so for verifying experience, as well as for anybody, hopefully, who reads it. And the second book came much more quickly because I was a bit more savvy then to a book by that time. And so instead of taking the five years the previous one took, it only took three months to write. So it was a much easier process. But for me, the books are very much, they're, they're, they're just people understand kind of where I come from, what I do. And 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 also give some value as to idea you can do for your in, when you start this journey because I think there is a point in people's lives when they have an opportunity to start looking at the bigger question and the bigger picture and both of the books are designed to to help people on that way. Yeah. Now your your own story about your kind of realization, if you like, your transformation is, is quite something as well. Can can you share a bit more about that for the audience? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I started life as, um, for most people, you just kind of carry on. You, you, you do the jobs that kind of, either you're all passionate about a job. I was never really passionate about anything. So I joined a bank because my friend joined a bank. So I thought I would too. And I kind of built up and I started ticking all these boxes that I thought that should be making me happy. I had a job, I, by then I was in sales, I earned good money, I got the thatch, thatch with the roses over the door and I had, all this, I had all this stuff that was supposed to make me happy. And then one day an old friend turned up and said, what are you going to be doing when you're 60? And I went, and he said, do you like what you're doing now? And I went, no. <laughs> he said, so why do you want to be doing it when you're 60? And I was like, oh no. <laughs> because I spent all this time building this life, you know, and actually I was quite cross at that point, and quite because like, well, what do I do? What do I do if it's not this? If it's not all these boxes that I've ticked, what am I going to do? 
So I was a bit radical in the fact that I packed two suitcases and left and then started looking and trying to understand. And it's something I say to people, right. don't do it that way. There's other ways that you can change life. <laughs> Maybe more gentle ways rather than a complete radical turnaround. Yeah. Exactly. But that was my turning point. And, and, and I think we have those kind of opportunities in life. And we can ignore them if we want to and carry on. But my feeling is when I look back with hindsight, I'd had little little kind of reminders along the way, which I'd managed to ignore. And then it was almost like the big one had to come and smack me over the head before I'd go, oh, oh, yes, okay, perhaps this isn't what life is about. And so, you know, I think that's what happens for a lot of people. Can, looking back, imagine if you had waited to get to 60 before making that realisation. Oh my God, no. I have such, had such a fun life. I mean, since leaving, the safety of all the box ticking, I've literally learned to follow my heart. And I, I came, we came on a two-week holiday and we were supposed to go back to London and kind of get, you know, go back into kind of normal life again. And we were just, oh, it's really nice here, isn't it? Yeah, it's really nice here. And we were talking to some friends and that I, we were visiting down here and we were saying, it would be nice to have a house here one day. And they said, you know, there's a whole lot of empty villas that people don't live in because they're in London working to pay for the empty villas. If you want to be here, why don't you just be here? And as she's saying this, this is, we're in an orange grove. In the, and this guy walks towards us. He'd been working amongst the olive, the orange trees, and he went, and he had just do it scrawled across his t-shirt. And we were like, signs. <laughs> <laughs> we literally up sticks and brought our life to Spain with no plans, no job, no anything. But oh my goodness, that was twenty years ago, and that's that was one of the best in my life. Yeah, I reflect some of, some of my own journey about about ten years ago, following in your footsteps and moving moving to Spain myself for somewhat similar reason yeah fantastic it's, it's a wonderful place to live not saying everybody not saying everybody should move to spain but you know <laughs> it's certainly anyone who wants to although you know, there are maybe a bit a few more barriers to, to doing that these days than there were when we did it unfortunately but the, the, the one of the things that you've done singing was starting up our retreats what actually sparked that for you well, I trained to become a coach here when I just after I, and that was an interesting story in itself. And that was, I, I'll just tell you that, which I think is really important for people that when you get really clear on what you want, even though you don't know how it's going to happen, that clarity can draw opportunity towards you. And I knew I wanted to be a coach and I didn't have the money to go back to England to train or anything like that. But I would bend anybody's ear who would say, you know, so who I would be talking to. And I met this person um, through a friend and I did my normal ear bending and he was nodding sagely. And, and he called me up the next day and he said to me, you don't know this, he said, but as an interfaith minister, I am a coach and I train coaches. And he said, I think you really should be a coach and I'm going to train you for free. And wow. so he wow. did. And I got all my coach training on the beach, which I think is one of the best places to do coach training. And he, he started me off. And then, you know, I met you in the trainings after that. But that was the beginning for me. And when it was early on, the early days, I used to do a, a course with another coach. And it was a like a, a whole week long, week long kind of coaching holiday, effectively. And it was great. And it would spark people off. And But there was no... There was, you couldn't ever go deep enough with it because when you've got eight people in a room, you're limited, obviously, by how far you can go with people. And so when that finished, 
The person I worked with, she moved to New Zealand and, and so we stopped doing it. I just thought, hmm, how can I take the best bits? How can I take the juicy bits of what I've learned through doing that work and apply it somewhere else? And that's when the individual retreats came to my mind. It just went, this kind of light bulb moment came on. I went, oh, I could do more in two days with an individual person that I could have done in a week with a group of eight. So yeah. I started offering the retreats here and people fly into Spain, or well, at least they did until recently, but they come into Spain and we go up to the mountains. I've got a beautiful house. Yeah, I've seen the pictures. It looks fantastic. Fabulous. I mean, just getting out of everyday busy life, leaving the internet and the phones behind and just having time and space to dig deep and just, you know, find, find the desires of what people really want from life, but a lot of the blocks. What are the limitations that stop people going for what they truly want in life? And just removing them and getting them out of the way. I love it for me because everybody's life is different, a different story. And so I'm privileged to be part of that story for a short while and to re, you know, change the direction and help people to create what they really want to create in life. Yeah. Now, when we chatted a little while ago to prepare for our chat today, you were explaining to me about how you'd started off doing the retreats and ended up more or less completely scrapping the style in which you were doing it to do it in a different way that, that fitted more with you. Can, can you explain a bit more about that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think whenever you do this kind of work, you you create, over time, you create your own, you know, the, the retreats I did before with the group had a certain style and a certain, and when you've got a big group in a room, you, you have to have a program effectively. And what I learned quickly by having a one-on-one -on -one retreat is that I don't need a program because everybody is different who's coming into the room with me. So I've got a great big toolbox, but I don't have a set program because I literally just start talking with people and I allow the process to be an organic journey. I get Somebody who anybody comes on retreat sets a, an intention of what they want, because I think setting intentions is a very powerful thing to do. It's a kind of instruction to the subconscious mind of this is where we're going. And what I find is that we look at that right at the beginning and then we start talking. You know, we somebody's done the kind of preparation exercise before. So I've got quite a bit of you know, information to start with. And we go off on this journey, we might go off on tangents and come back. And it always happens that we get to the end of the last day and, you know, we come back and look at the intention and we go, oh, wow, yes, we did that without having to make it happen. So I have yeah. learned to trust that process over the years. And there's times when I might be sitting there thinking, oh, I wonder where this is going. And I've just learned to let it, let it go forward and go from there. And I think that's the magic in that, is that, that it's so uniquely focused on that one person. Do you think that one of the reasons why the kind of retreats and work that you do is so powerful for people is because we don't spend very much time thinking about ourselves and our lives and the position that we're in? I think so. I think we live far too busy lives. You know, I had somebody who came out and she lived on her phone and, and I was like, no, 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 we don't do phones here, we don't do phones. And that was a really big challenge for her because she's, she's const she was constantly in that world. And at the end of the, firstly, she said, oh, it was so nice not to be slave to the phone. I went, well, you might like to try that every weekend from now on. But the, what she also said was, 
I have never ever given myself the time for myself to look at my life in that way, ever. She said, I've literally yeah. just gone from box ticking to box ticking to box ticking. This is the next, this is the next, particularly career-wise. And she said, I've just, I have created a fantastic career that I don't want. You know, and that was a hard thing for her to see and admit to herself. But it actually opened a huge amount of opportunity because she had, she was an incredibly skillful person. And it was just a matter of, okay, so those are what we've got. Where do you want to take it? And she took off and went into a completely different direction, actually working for herself rather than working for a big corporation. And now she's, you know, incredibly happy, master of her own ship. You know, the phone goes off on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Do you think, I mean, I come across sometimes people who think that they can, they don't need to work with a coach. They don't need to, someone to help them. They'll do it themselves. Do, how important do you think it is to have someone there to facilitate change and, and transformation? Well, I think it's actually really important. And, and the reason I kind of know that to be true is because I have, I remember I've had quite a few people over the year to me, oh my God, I wish I'd done this earlier. I've been trying to do this for years and I've just, I've always hit the roadblock. I've always hit the, the limitation. I've always hit that I have no idea how to do this. And I think incredibly valuable to have somebody who has no agenda in your life working with you. you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, I can talk to my friends, I can talk to my family. And I'm like, yeah, sure, you can. However, their agenda is either going to be happiness or safety, particularly if it's parental. Parental is going to be safety. And those are people are going to go, yes, but... Whereas a coach would go, yes, and, and there's a huge difference in that. And I think what happens is when people work with coaches, they give themselves permission to think outside the box. They give themselves permission to actually think of a much bigger picture because there is a level of support in there. And one of the things I say to people is never limit the size of the vision. You don't have to go for it if it doesn't feel right but at least let yourself look at it. And I think without the support of the coach and a mentor to kind of help that bigger thinking, it can be very hard on your own. I know, like I've said, I wish I had a coach many years ago. It wouldn't, it wouldn't maybe have changed what I've done because I got very clear very quickly on what I wanted, but I might not have hit so many of the pitfalls too. Because part of my thing when I'm working with people when they're making big life change is I'm going, okay, we really do need a plan in place. You know, you, you don't want to jump without the parachute. We want to make sure we're strapped on the parachute before you jump. How, how would somebody know if coming on that kind of retreat was the right thing for them to do? They'll feel it. It's not a mental thing. That's one of the reasons why I always have a good long chat with somebody before they come. You know, it is, it, it, it is something that you've actually got to have that inner impetus to go, yep, this is it. And, and the, the phrase that most people use after we've had that chat is like, yeah, this is the time. Often people say that to me. Yeah, I feel this is the right time to be doing this. And so I think that's the main thing. You can look at pros and cons of all those things. But I think people get to a point in life where they're just like, they're ready. They're ripe to make that shift and change. And the excitement of that is bigger than the fear of that. Because, I mean, excitement and fear have a very similar physical sensation. And it's like, what are you going to label it? 
And for some people, I know I've talked with some people and we've had a chat and we've had talk about possibilities and where they might go. And, and I can see in their faces, they're going, oh, no, maybe not. And I know that they're not going to do it. And then I'm like, whenever, whenever it's right for you, there's no have to in this. And then there's other people where we're talking about it and you can feel them just beginning to blossom and bloom and get an idea of the spark comes into their eyes and they've just felt it's the right thing for them to do. So I'm a great one of following the feeling in that. Yeah, so it's more of an intuitive thing than anything else. Are there, in your experience of working with people, are there commonalities you see on, on the road to these kinds of realizations or, or transformations? I think there's a few different things. In general, what I call is that they've had the wake-up call. And that can be through a few different things. Sometimes it can be you know, through work. Some situations have changed at work. Suddenly it's just, you know, it's not what they want to do. And they're beginning to question why are they doing this. Sometimes it's through relationships, relationship breakups. People kind of realizing that they're just not happy in where they are. Of the time, what I tend to find people are, they, they suddenly have realized for one reason or another that their life is completely out of balance. And they, they really don't even have a life. They're just slave to the routine, whatever it is that they've set up. And I think also what I've seen in the last year or so with COVID is that that's created a lot of wake-up calls for people because sure, sure. their situation has changed, their life situation has changed. I read a fascinating article of a guy, I would have loved to have worked with him. He was a headmaster of a really big school and he resigned. And the reason he resigned was that he realized that he was spending more time with other people's children than his own. And having the lockdown and spending time with his kids, he realized what he was missing. And so he was like, mm -hmm. I just have to change life. And I think there's quite a few of those kind of situations going on where people are going, I don't want to go back to that. So how, how am I, how am I going to navigate that? And I think, yeah. I think there's a lot of times when we hit those kind of wake up times when we've got the, well, who am I? And is this all there is? I think that's a question that we get. I know that was what I felt when I realized I ticked all the boxes that didn't actually make me happy. I was kind of like, well, what else is there? Because I had no idea at that point. Yeah, and it's, it's always good to hear a story like like your own because just from, just from hearing it, you start potentially start to ask yourself, well, you know, what, what would my answers be to those questions? What, what would I say? In that, and do, am I, do I feel like I'm on the right path, doing the things that I enjoy doing, doing what I love, and uh, having a life that is fulfilling and uh, and full of fun and, and joy? Uh, a lot of people may even just automatically discount that and say, "Well, that's not available, or I couldn't possibly have that." And you know, ultimately, my belief would probably be the same as yours: of it's available to anyone who wants it. You just really have to make some decisions. And yes, it's, it's going to require changes. And some of them be a bit painful, not just for you, maybe for other people in your life as well. Because you know, big changes, significant changes can be painful for people. That's what, often why we resist them, yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. And they're scary because we've lived in yeah. this, you know, it's, it's a paradoxical thing that we have called this thing as a comfort zone. But for a lot of people, it's a discomfort zone, actually. But the ego likes it because it's safe and it's known. And, you know, once we try and go out of your comfort zone into what I call the stretch zone, it's like the ego starts to have a little bit of a hissy fit because it can't control things outside there in the area where we don't know, where we're stepping into unknown. And so we have an internal battle that goes on too, where with our heart saying, oh, 
I want to go here. And the ego is saying, no, it's much safer over here. We might be miserable, but it's much safer over here. So could we just stay here, please? And so we have that kind of fight within us. And it takes courage, actually, to make those kind of steps. And I think that's why it's really helpful to have somebody who's been there and walked that path and said, yes, it's scary, but it's really worth it. Because when you start living what you can want to live, everything, even in, even in the challenging times, I think for me, that's one of the key things I've learned is that life isn't always hunky-dory. Life isn't always a, you know, a bowl of cherries. But if I'm living my values and if I'm following my passions in my life, there is a level of fulfillment even when it's not you know, hunky-dory and wonderful because I'm on path. I'm and I'm going in the right direction. And yes, I'm meeting challenges that happen, but everybody has challenges in life, you know. But I'm feeling good through those challenges, and I and I know enough that actually, my experience of my world comes purely through what I think about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that is a that is a really important thing that I'm constantly teaching people. It's like. You know, what you expect to experience is what you're going to experience. So let's just take a look and see what your expectations are about, because that's one of the first things we have to address. Yeah, yeah. Just recently, just just a little while before coming to speak to you, I was uh, so I'm saying almost exactly the same thing to one of my coaching clients. Uh, it's, it's very important. So you mentioned about living your values. What does that look like for you specifically? I think values are intrinsic to who we are. And we know when we're living our values because we feel it's happening again, even if even if it's challenging. And one of the ways that I get people to decipher their values because we live them whether we can put words to them or not. But it's very handy to put words to values because we realise why things are so out of kilter. There's so many times when I go through values with somebody and they go, "Oh, now I know why I don't like my job," <laughs> no, because there is no teamwork and there is no collaboration. And there's definitely no respect. So, you know, right. it's like they're, they're very much that can be the light bulb moment for people. For me, one of the things I know is that I'm a great listener to my, my, my body because we have this, this great kind of feedback mechanism. And when I'm, not, when I'm feeling what I describe as icky, <laughs> I have two questions that come to mind. One is, where is my mind? Because my thoughts are going to create certain things. But the second one is, what value is being disregarded trodden on ignored at this point in time and how can i get that back in line and i think that's one of the reasons why values can be so important and so so powerful for people and there are times when you have to compromise your values but if you do that consciously then you don't hit the regret later down the line because you you chose that that you weren't going to be working in a team for example but actually everything else had held ticked all the other boxes so I'm not, I can't sit and moan that because I made a conscious choice about it. So values, I think, are very powerful in life. And I think identifying your values, and one of the ways I do that is to get people to think of times of great happiness. What, what were you living at that point? And times of great challenge. What wasn't being lived at that point? What was not right in that moment? And understanding that inherent in those stories are your values and, and discovering you know what they are. And, and, and because I was doing work, I don't often, but I was doing some work with a couple recently and we did some values and it was very interesting because they had a lot of the same values. But when I said, but what does that value mean to you? The meaning was totally different. So the meaning mm. understand un behind values is also very important, I think. 
would you be willing to share some of your own personal values? Yeah, one of my values is is is, is helping people. I, that's my one of my key things in my life is to make a difference in people's lives and helping people. So that's a key value. Respect is a huge one in everything that I do. People respecting the environment, respecting even, and then one of the things where I kind of challenge myself is respecting even when I don't agree with something. And I think that's a huge thing. And it's, it's, a, it's a challenge for me because we all come across, I think from a lot of people we come across, but learning to respect and allow others to be as they are, they are doing the best that they can do is a, is a really big value for me. And spirituality that's very important in my life, keeping that awareness in my life, coming from that place, coming from the bigger picture, and, and living from that place is, is a really important value. In my life. And love is a very important value in my life too. Love of my partner, love of others, just coming from love. I think love is, love is the kind of our nascent state. And if we can connect, then we can connect with the love outside. That's great. Thank you. For, thank you for sharing that. It really means. I think it means a lot, and and hopefully, things that people will will feel affected by. Because I think it's a it's a it's a deep thing. It's a it's a personal thing to share your values. But it's everything about who you are, and I think that that maybe is why it's a level of vulnerability in not just knowing what your values are, but sharing them with other people as well. Because this is who I hold myself to being in my life, and and who I you know, who I hope to show up as in the world, reflecting these values that I that I say are important to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think they are. And I think, I think, particularly doing the kind of work that we do, it's important that that we can actually do that, because it, it helps people understand why they're so important. And I think if you can share your values, people will, will get a feeling of who you are. And, you know, there's many people who do similar work to us and there's people that will relate to us. And I think that's very important. Is, is there for you an underlying why, as in why you do what you do? There is. It's a funny one. I can remember years ago, years before I even thought about becoming a coach, I was actually with, I was having counselling with somebody. And I was in days, I must have been in the 80s or something like that, eight, literally years ago. And I was started to do quite a lot of these personal development and like the light bulb was coming on for me personally in so many different, and I remember she said to me, what is your bottom line? And out of my mouth came the word, I want to I want to help other people like the light bulb. And I had no idea what that meant at the time. Absolutely no idea at all. But it's something that was always there in the background and and for me that's what it is because when I work with people I see that light come back into people's eyes. And if I can do that with just one person, you know, I've had people say to me, "Why don't you kind of go out and do work with huge groups?" And I'm like, yeah, but I can, if I can just get the light to come on with one person, that light then lights other lights. There's a, there's a, there's a, it, it kind of, there's ripples out. So for me, mm-hmm. that's why I love my work and I feel it's so important with people because I think sometimes we need that individual attention. Yeah, you know, as, as much as I've had great benefit over the years from some of the big personal development events that I've attended 
I would say no, probably some of the the most affecting things have come from more personalized attention, working one-on-one -on -one with a coach or working in small groups of people where you really can dive deeper on things and, and you can get more personal about it and and you you know that there's time to give everybody attention and, and nobody nobody's missed out and whilst we can learn a lot of transformations and journeys it's uh, that bit more powerful when when it's you that's big thing and also <laughs> also i think it's a safer environment for people i mean some of the things that people tell me really very early on as we're starting to work together just indicates to me that this this very closed environment just between the two of us is a safe place to say things that maybe haven't been said ever before or never been looked at before and i think yeah. really valuable. that that's an important point actually because in those larger environments where there's where there's a lot of people watching or listening in <laughs> then there is maybe something more of a pressure to think to say what you think is expected, not to perhaps say what's really in your heart because you don't know that that's going to be received well. And, and so there's a, there's a much greater encouragement, if you like, to be a bit inauthentic and to, to go with, I think about something like like stage hypnosis, for example. And I, and I bring that up because we know as people who have studied hypnosis and, and, and learned some things about it in the past that stage shows is like the people who go up on the stage they pretty much that you are responsible you're not not responsible for your actions you're just the kind of person who's willing to do this and put on a bit of a show for people and say oh not my fault i didn't do anything it was that guy the hypnotist who made me do it but ultimately you're not going to get up on a stage even under hypnosis and do something that you wouldn't do Anyway, you just got that sort of get out clause of being able to say it to someone else. And so therefore, you follow that social expectation to perform or, or not to perform based on what's going on in the environment around you. To not do what the hypnotist says it, uh, and not go along with the act is going to make everything sort of fall apart and ruin everyone's evening. It's like, oh, what, a, what a terrible hypnotherapist. So, you know, you kind of have to go along with it then to make the hypnotist right and to make everybody's evening fun. You know, it's that those, these social expectations that we have in those kind of situations that you just don't have in those more personal situations. So I think there's, there's a lot to that. Yeah. And there's also that whole thing of creating a space with no judgment. And I think a lot of the things that people say individually, one-on-one, -on -one, are things they wouldn't say with other people for fear of being judged. And I think that's incredibly yeah. important that, that everything in that space is accepted, whatever is said. So, so how do you set the frame for that? I don't actually say it out loud. I think my, it's just my intention to set a safe space where anything can be said and probably how I respond to things in the moment. Just just lets people relax. I mean, one of the words that a lot of use is that they feel very nurtured when in the work that I do. They feel very held. And I think that's just my very strong intention to create that space that anything can be said about anything. And they are, there is no judgment in that. And they feel that. And I think it, immediately they feel safe in that space. 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's important. And uh, yeah, I was, I was curious. It's like, so it's more of a, they get that feeling from how you show the, the intentions that you set and, and your energy setting the tone for everything more than anything else which is just as valid as actually just saying okay here's uh, here's the framework for this well i also think in some ways it's more powerful because in words you're actually almost setting up the question of oh is it not safe Mm -hmm. whereas if you just are that in that energy space you know energy speaks somebody will pick up the energy far more than they'll pick up the words particularly when you're newly with somebody and one of the things that i love is that when I do the retreats here in Spain, because I've been recently doing them virtually, which works just as well, but but it's different, obviously. But when I do the retreats here in Spain, I pick people up from the airport. So we have a two and a half hour car ride. And that's that's the tone setting time. That's the time when we get to know, we chat, it's easy, we're not, we aren't having to sit face to face at that point, you know, because I'm driving the car. And um, and so it's that moment of just really relaxing into that energy. And by the time the mountains were there, we're in that space. And that's purely just through my intention of creating that kind of environment for somebody to land in and for them to just mm. be able to feel it. And they might not consciously be able to put words to that, but that will set up how the rest of the weekend or, or the two days we spent together it goes mm-hmm. so one thing that i think i'd like to like to ask you because it, it may seem straightforward to, to you and i but but maybe not necessarily to everyone but i think because i know we've done this we've done this at events we've been it together and we've talked about it. the whole thing of setting an intention if someone's thinking okay well i'd like to try that how how do how should they think about setting an attention intention for themselves intentions are really as i said just instruction subconscious mind and the, the clean the most important thing about an intention is you're very very clear that exactly what you want so for example you can set an intention in the day to remember a certain thing so if you want to remember to be more less judgmental judgmental for example you've got somebody who's kind of always kind of in their head and you just want to you just want to have a kind of gentle reminder throughout the day that actually breathe here and just have a different thought going through. You can set an intention at the beginning of the day, every day. I'm a great believer in meditation. I've been meditating for 35 odd years in my life. And one of the things that I do is that after my daily meditation, I will then set an intention. And the reason I do it then is because my mind is in a quiet space and I can just clearly set that. And it's literally, today I want to do this, or today I'd like to be focused on this. So for me, when I'm doing the retreat, as I'm about to go and pick somebody up at the airport, I'm very clear on like, I'm going to be the vehicle. I'm going to create a safe space for this person to have whatever transformation they need to have. I'm going to be there for them and hold them in that space to do that. And I'm very clear on that intention. So. It, it sounds, it might sound like, is that all? But actually, yes, that is all it is. But the thing about intentions is that, you know, when, when you say to somebody, you know this in a coaching situation, you know, I'd like to invite you to do this. And they go, I'll try. And you go, mm-hmm, okay, you've just built an excuse into that. You've gone, I tried, but I couldn't. I said, I'd like you to set an intention to do it. Because an intention is a much stronger statement of intent, literally. I intend to do this. And setting intentions are very powerful in that way. And so they can help with your focus. And every morning of the retreat, I set an intention for what I feel I want to be doing on that day with this person. And then I trust that that's what will roll out. Yeah. 
And so, to, to be clear for you, we're not saying like, you know, we're not saying set an intention for yourself like today I'm going to win the lottery or something like that. It's, it's more of a, a, a how, how you show up, how you experience your life, the kind of, yeah, it's very much about how you are in your day or how you want to be and, and things that you want to, you know, maybe things you want to be, do, have and create, but on the, and things you want to be, do, have and create, but on the level of what you can reasonably program yourself to expect in your day. It's like planting a seed. Intention for somebody else to do something. It's very much about taking your personal responsibility of how I'm going to be in this space and what I want to create in this space. And yeah. I think I can remember years ago obsessing over somebody. This was year, literally years ago because I've been in a relationship now for 20 odd years, but obsessing over this person. And then one day I went, okay, I have got to stop this. So I want to set an intention that every time this person comes to mind, I think of something else and I thought of what else I wanted to think of and it was really because within a few days I had literally just stopped obsessing about this person because every time this person came to mind I started to think actually I was thinking of the temple in the ashram and I would just go to the temple in my mind I think okay that's a much better place to be and so it, it's the subconscious is incredibly powerful and we can harness a lot of that through intention and through choosing our thoughts, choosing our attitude and all those kind of things. And yeah, get it on your side really effectively as well. Yeah, as, we, as we're having this conversation about intention, it's like something I used to do a lot all the time, especially before speaking engagements and, and group coaching calls and things like that, even even one-to-one -one coaching calls. And I haven't really thought about it. It's, uh, maybe to some degree it's become a bit of an automatic process you know it's it, like my brain sort of clicks into that mode but i'm setting conscious intentions and for specific events that come up in it as well so that's a, a wonderful thing and it's something that i will be taking away from this conversation as well so thank you i'm aware of time and i want to uh, maybe you, you retreat and uh, i'll see if i can put some links to some pictures in the show notes for people as well so if people can take a take a bit more of a look at that but how would somebody go about uh, finding out more about you and maybe applying to go on a retreat with you site my name jessica there's all the information about uh, the retreats it's about different retreats up the, the main retreat that i've done for many years is called the get unstuck in two days retreat because it's literally about unsticking life and my first book remembering perfection that came out in 2008 i think i have just literally done a revised edition of that and added a couple of extra chapters. and that's due to be published at the end of this month i think and I've created a new program called the Remembering Perfection program as well. And that's a retreat. And again, not a program, wrong word, but a retreat as in come and have a chat, a long one. And that's very much more focused on the spiritual side of life, much more focused on the who am I, what is going on in my life, who do I want to be in my life? And it's focused on, on the book in itself as well. So that the book is the prompter of the conversations. And so that's a new retreat that will be listed. It's not on the website yet. It will be listed probably by the end of April. And people can, there's a booking form on the website. They can have a chat with me. It's completely free to have a chat and see what feels right, literally. There's also lots of other bits and pieces and information and blogs and things there as well. They can sign up for, for they can read the first two chapters of the book if they want to on there. So, yeah. And I think, oh, I think we have a way for your people, don't we? For everybody who's... Oh, cool. So, yeah, I probably have forgotten what we, what we said. <laughs> so, yeah. So, what is it? I'm giving uh, away um, a PDF copy or a Kindle copy, whichever people want, of the new book. So, they're most welcome to download that. If they... I think you're going to have a link I... to the Dropbox where that... 
Yeah, yeah, we definitely will make sure people have a link to that in the show notes so you can go and get hold of a copy of Jessica's book. And uh, I'd love to encourage my audiences to read because I think it's one of the the most life-changing things we can do. Books have so much power, and, and especially the good books. And uh, so reading something that really you know, touches you or transforms your life yeah, it can, be, can be super powerful. So please go and check out Jessica's book. And, uh, and have a great read and report back to us. Let us know how you how you get on, what what touches you, what you remember from it, what uh, decisions you made, transform your life in positive and beneficial ways. We'd both love to hear that. Jessica, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you today, and and I do hope that people will come and and enjoy your retreat for a long time to come, and and enjoy your books and and your insights as well. And it's a real delight to reconnect with you as well. And what what will you be doing for the rest of the day? Well, my other is my horse. I'm off to the stables to go ride my horse. <laughs> oh, fantastic! The the wonderful things you get to do when you live in Spain, right? <laughs> I mean, you can ride horses in the UK as well. <laughs> I, know, I know that, but it's uh, it's definitely a different life here. If there's one thing that you would really love people to remember or take away from our call today, what would it be? Don't wait. If you feel the wake-up call, if you feel that there's something missing in life, whatever that might be, and you might not even be able to put your finger on it, don't wait. Look at, look at it. Because, you know, life's too short not to be living it to the full. It's, it's an amazing journey and it's full of amazing things. And don't be the person at 60 who looks back and goes, oh. I love that. Thank you, Jessica. It's been a real treat and uh, I hope you have a wonderful horse ride and that we'll connect again very soon. Thanks, Johnny. It's been really fun. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to subscribe and don't miss any future episodes like my next episode with personal trainer Ian Iyer where we're talking about physical transformations. You won't want to miss that. Please share the show with your friends. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. It really helps us to grow. Hope to see you on the show next time. I'll be keeping an eye out for you.